Welcome on to another edition to the Left Wing Back Podcast and it is a football show of course we have hurling season well and truly done so at this stage and as we've alluded to many times it's all football for the next uh, number of weeks and uh, definitely a structure that uh, I'm best pleased with and I'm sure this week's guest Daniel Sell Ledger goes along with that as well. It's all in association with uh, Neighbourhood Espresso. Dan, um, structures first of all, I'm, I'm sure you're happy to see this as well, things, things are flowing nicely between the two codes aren't they? Yeah, yeah, Kevin, it's brilliant. Like it's, I think, I think this is kind of what players want. You know, it's um, no, it might be a different story if you get a run to a county final and you have six weeks in a row and and uh, the thirty or thirty something year old legs are starting to ache. But mm. I, I think for the most part, it's brilliant. Like I mean, you can really, you can really see teams starting to get into a little groove and. You know, the fact that even like we, I know ourselves, we, we had a bad loss the weekend, but you kind of have a day to dust yourself down and then you're straight away thinking about another game rather rather than the usual three or four week post-mortem or whatever it might be. So, listen, I think it's brilliant. I think it's brilliant for, for clubs to be able to get into a bit of routine and look the, at the bottom. But the bottom line is like lads just want to play matches and, and it's fantastic to be going down training and working on the smaller things, you know, the, the kickouts and, and a bit of structure or whatever it might be rather than kind of as you say having three or, three or four weeks to, to let the slog start again so look I'd be all for it personally anyway Yeah how was life with you since I was talking to you last obviously it was your retirement interview and you were, you were loving life down in, down in Clare yeah, you're, you're back up since and I know you're back teaching as well you're up in Artane so um, how has that been going the past couple of weeks? Yeah, but back to reality. I'm I'm sitting out here in the car park now. The kids are on break, and you're just looking out, and it's 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 just a totally different world. Like it really is, and and you know it's it's kind of tough, and especially with, with first years when new kids start, and 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 you kind of can't get to know their faces with the masks and different things, and it's it's very hard to interact with them properly, and so it's particularly hard for for the newer for the newer lads coming in. But look, there's there's a definite there's a definite level of angst I think amongst staff and and students as well. It's 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 kind of a nervous place to be at, at the <laughs> at the best of times, but let alone during the pandemic, you know. So look, it's going to take a bit of getting getting used to, and you just have to hope that the numbers kind of start to drop fairly soon, you know. Because look, the reality is we're in school here with with about six hundred. So like you know, at, at some stage you're likely to have a case at some point in time. So it's it's a high wire act, Kevin. But you know, this is just what it is, and, and we just have to get on with it as best we can. Yeah, and like I suppose in terms of like you mentioned getting to know the kids, that'd be a huge thing. Building up a kind of a rapport with, with the teacher, and uh, I suppose <laughs> weeding out the bowl kids and stuff, and getting used to every sort of a character and and different things. And that's that's obviously a challenge. I I never even thought of that actually, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, it's funny, and you, you hear the odd smart comment, and because you have the they have the masks on, you don't know where it came from. So you're, kind of, you're kind of chasing yourself half the time. But it, but look, it's tough, but. It's. Um, I think schools are adapting fairly well. I know we we have put every measure in place to try our best to to you know to try and get especially the younger kids to try and get them integrated as as best as we possibly can. And and at least at lunchtime we we have a big astro on a pitch here, so they can all kind of spread out and get the masks off for a while and and have a little break. But it's um. Is it look? It's far. It's far from ideal. But I guess look. Every walk of life is, is taking a hit, and and we're no different. You know. Yeah. So um, we'll move on to part TV. Um, I mean, apart from. You know, obviously, the obvious complications of of being a teacher and having to kind of go through all that and be a bit edgy. Um, you're living a pretty good life aside from that. In the fact that you know you're getting to play a bit of ball and you're doing a bit of punditry. And I have to say, I've seen you a couple of times on Power TV. You're taking to like a duck to water, and you look like a lad that's you know really enjoying yourself with it. 
<laughs> Thanks very much. I, I don't know if everyone said that. I said you know, often people are sick of me. I've had them, I think I have them again this weekend, so three in a row. But no, look, it's been brilliant. And, and in fairness, I've been on with, with John Nolan and Christy Bulger. You know, the two lads are, are naturals at it as well, so it probably helps me out a bit. But it's uh, it's very enjoyable, I have to say. It really is. And I suppose it, it's kind of nice sometimes to, 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 to watch a game with the purpose of, with analysis in your head. You know, sometimes you go into Dr. Cullen there and you just purely be there for a bit of entertainment, you know. But I suppose when you're actually looking at it to see different patterns that are developing and, and different things that are happening. And I suppose to try and bring, just to try and bring something to the viewer that they mightn't be able to see um, see on screen on screen is kind of an interesting thing. But I have to say, I'm really loving it. And I was delighted to get the opportunity because obviously it's brilliant. It's brilliant. One of the lucky ones to be able to go in and see a live match. But it's uh, it's fantastic to be able to, to kind of take a step back and, and see what different things are, what different teams are doing. And, you know, there, there's, there's lots going on in the Carlos Championship. You know, there, there's teams are trying to, are trying to implement different things and it's it's brilliant then to be able to do that and then at the same time be able to have have my own bit of club going on in, in the background as well you know yeah and the interesting thing i find from having done a few live streams over the last week or two is you know the camera is obviously very much on the ball but there's so much going on off it and trying to i suppose relay that on to the viewer and the listener is is very important and i suppose it's, it's a pity that we're not uh, <laughs> all these guys don't have the same budget as already and stuff where you have a camera behind the goal and stuff but like there's so much going on off the ball, and that's nearly as interesting as what's happening on it. You get to see the movement, you get to see the space in behind, and where guys can kind of, you know, exploit those blankets by, by going from left to right as well. Yeah, it's it's actually it's, it is re- it is genuinely interesting, and you kind of, you know, I know myself. You'd be watching a match on TV, and you'd be wondering why is the play slowed down, or why are teams going laterally. But a lot of the t- a lot of the time, those kind of things are coming as a reaction to what the opposition are doing, you know, and. It was funny that the first game between O'Loughlin and and uh, Tin Ryland, and I saw a lot of I saw a lot of kind of negative press about the quality of the game. Now, but firstly, the weather was absolutely atrocious, and I don't think the the video picked it up properly. But it was just so hard for both teams to penetrate the both defenses, you know. And and there was just there was literally no point kicking ball. And I was myself and Joe were like broken records, kind of saying they have to keep possession around the middle, but. But that was a reality, and it was kind of which team broke first. And it's it's very hard to see that when you're not. I suppose when you're not aware of it on screen and, and probably looked like a bad game to the, to the outside viewer, but it was like, Jesus, it, it was it was tough going, you know, between the two of them. And I suppose the, these are the things you just want to try and shed a small bit of light on, like that, that there's, you know, every action has a reaction, you know, and there's 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 always there's always a reason there's there might be a, a bit of slow play or there might be a reason that a team aren't kicking or whatever it might be. So look, that's, that's what we try and bring to the table as much as possible anyway. Yeah, so with that game the other night, Pal obviously looked a very different team, kind of a Jekyll and Hyde thing in comparison to the follow, you know, the week before that against Rafili. And uh, a couple of really interesting things for me was obviously the number of changes that Pal made. They, they rejigged things that Crowley kind of came out a little bit and they got Andy Kyo on the ball. And I think it was it three or four points he got in a row at one stage and they were, they were delightful as, as both vegan had said. But like, <laughs> you know, it was, it was a, a very different performance from, from Palatine. And to be honest, it's something you would have expected because if you're to call it honestly, they couldn't have been much worse than they were against Rafili. They were brutal that day. Yeah, true. And, and it was a very un-Pal-like performance, you know, because no matter what kind of you'd always expect a dogfight against him, you know, it's rarely you'd, you'd, you'd be scoring 15 points and, and winning handy like, like Rafili did. But probably that was the key thing, I'd say, was, I suppose, you know, the, the benefit of the Park TV and stuff, you can watch back matches as many times as you like once you have them. And I'd say they definitely did a bit of video analysis on O'Loughlin because, you know, if Conor Crowley and Andy Keogh stayed inside, and kind of worked in the full forward line, they probably wouldn't have got a touch of the ball. And you could see both of them 
from pretty early on were drifting out and and Connor at eleven he I don't I think he might might have got one point from play but he was just he was creating an awful lot of problems around the around the centre forward spot for O'Loughlin and he was kind of dragging players into into positions they didn't want to go to and I think that was a key thing for them because if they tried to if they tried to, Pal tried to go with early, early long deliveries, it was just going to be mocked up by Lockton. Like you know, and, and in fairness to Lockton, they set out their stall. You know what they're going to do, and it's up to it's up to the opposition to try and break them down. And in fairness to Pal, they were they were fairly clever. And once they once they got ahead, that that was the key thing for them because Lockton had to start leaving a couple of gaps, and then slowly but surely the the little bit of longer kicking came in, and and Pal reeled off some lovely scores, but. Look, it was, I suppose, James, James Clark kind of kept Pal in it to, or kept O'Loughlin in it to a certain degree because he pulled off three or four unbelievable saves. And especially in the first quarter, you're thinking, Jesus, are Pal going to throw this away now? But in fairness to them, they, they, had, a huge, they had a huge press on the O'Loughlin kickout, especially in the, in the second and third quarter. And I think the goal came directly from, directly from a kickout and possibly they could have had another one or two from kickouts as well. So, look, Pal would be in a good place and in fairness to them, it couldn't have been easy to, to turn it around after the Raffili game. Like, that must have been a sovereign place to be, I'd say, in Pal for this week because I'd say hard questions had to be asked and as you said, a few changes, the little bit of injection of legs around the middle, Jack Brennan was fairly good, just just kind of as a link between the half-forward line, half-back line, kind of working between the two 45s fairly well. Like, th- those, uh, Colin O'Neill the same, those kind of changes really brought energy to Pal and, God, they looked like a, a totally revitalised team. They did indeed. Now, having looked at the scores that Rafili got against Tin Ireland, um, I'd have to be a bit critical of Tin Ireland here because in that scoring zone, you know, okay, we're about taking shots from outside that scoring zone, which we all know is kind of in around the D-ish kind of an area. Like, Rafili were getting scores there that weren't pressurised against Tin Ireland. And I, f- I would say that's, that's a huge disappointment from Tin Ireland's point of view because they just made it, looked that bit too easy for Raffili to pop off those scores. Is that something you kind of go along with or what did you think having looked at that one? Yeah, I'd agree. Look, it's kind of same old, same old for Tenor Island. Like, it's, you know, without being too harsh, but you kind of, you never really, you, could, you couldn't give them a pattern pattern to play and say, this is what they do. This is what Tenor Island will do. Like, I, I use the O'Loughlin comparison. You know fairly black and white what O'Loughlin are going to give you. But with Tenor Island, there's no discernible method like there, you know, and, like some fantastic footballers, they really do. Like, I mean, probably individually, as you know, on a one-on-one basis, they 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 should have enough footballers to be reaching county semi-finals, finals on a regular basis. But it's just blending it all together and to get a style of play that kind of suits them. I think is their biggest problem at the moment. Like, I know that they they dropped men back against Auckland and they were probably unlucky not to win that day, but you could tell there's probably a little lack of organisation. It's all well and good, you know. Everyone says it's easy just to throw a lot of men to the forty-five, but you have to have a certain amount of organisation with that and I suppose the, the Raffili goals then kind of killed it off totally but it's Tenorail will be hugely disappointed they really will because you know this this was a year when they could have you know had a, had a right cut off it like there's no pressure as such on them nobody expected anything and, and unfortunately it's kind of as I said same old same old so I'd say I'd say they'll be they'll be, they'll be gutted with it really I'd say yeah, and look, I suppose one positive is Paul is obviously back, Paul Roderick, and I know he wasn't kind of keen on that initially, but he did come on the other day, and he'll be he'll be a good addition. I don't know, will it be enough, though? Like, they're facing the Palantine team now in, in form on Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, so I don't know about you. I'm still kind of fancying Palantine there. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I suppose, as we said, we don't week on week, you just don't know what's happening. You know, things can change, you know, but... 
I you'd imagine you'd imagine Pal will have enough. But look, if there's one last rattle in Ireland, I mean, if there was ever a day they had to come out all guns blazing and and really just try and bring as much aggression and energy to it as possible, like it's going to be it's going to be this weekend. Like if 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 they get the right if they get the result and and if Rafili if Rafili do the business as well, like I mean, they still could have a head to head there with 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 um with with Pal and you know Lachlan will have one ball won one game so that could come down to score difference or there could be all sorts of permutations you know and that's the beauty of this but uh, Tenor Island just have to just have to find something within themselves somewhere because you know it, it's God they'll be they'll be have they'll be a huge disappointing disappointment for the year if they kind of go out without a whimper you know and I'd say look Pal will fancy themselves absolutely no doubt and they look to have a little bit of bit of confidence back in themselves so look I'd still be going with a Pal win but look, you'd expect something from Tenor Island at least. Yeah, well, I suppose, if you look at those things that I kind of alluded to there, um, you, you mentioned, I suppose, the, the easy goals, which were far too easy. But from, the, the, you know, getting, getting the scores within that scoring zone that were unpressurized, that's something you can actually work on very quickly because it just means a basic fundamental of getting the bodies out there to, to pressurize the kicker. Yeah, absolutely. And look, th- these things don't happen. These things don't happen by chance. Like, you know, it's it's funny <laughs> when, when you're talking in GA circles, like you're talking about conditioning, let's say, you, you don't just get fit by chance. You know, you, you don't just happen to happen to go out in the pitch and, and you're fit. You have to practice, you have to practice your conditioning and training. And it's the same with your, with your method of play. If you don't practice what you're trying to do, you're not just going to be able to do it automatically, you know. And if you don't, if, you, if you're trying to implement a defensive system, you have to repeat that and repeat that and repeat that every single night of the week. Same with kickouts, you know. These things don't just, don't just happen by chance. And like a lot of other, a lot of teams in senior levels in Carlo, like will be practicing things at that level fairly regularly. And if you've one or two teams that are raising the bar, which, which Rafili and Airog are doing in fairness to them, like you have to come to meet that standard. And I think that's just where Tin Ryland are lacking a small little bit. It just looks like there, there's a little lack of clarity in what they're actually trying to achieve, you know? Yeah. So all Auckland Rafili, like we mentioned how informed Rafili have been, how, how poor kind of all Auckland were last week. And yet these two have been knocking lumps out of each other for the best part of a decade, if not more now. So again, look, this is Saturday at seven. You were on that one, I think you were saying. And uh, that's gonna be that's gonna be an intriguing one, no doubt. But again, I I would look, do you know what? I won't ask you for your opinion on this because you're gonna be giving it on a poor TV. We won't we won't put in a spoiler. We'll let you we'll let you keep your 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 pre match and your your what do you call it, your views for that. Um, <laughs> and I'm I'm bad, but not that bad. So we'll move across um, and we'll go look at the, the other group's games from, from last weekend. And a big bone of contention, we'll come, we'll come to the Blues and, and Bagnasome, and we'll talk about Aerog and Rangers in, in a couple of moments' time. Um, you've obviously seen the situation with the mark or the lack of a mark. Uh, I don't see anything wrong with Daryl Hayden's goal because if you look back through the rule, the referee has to blow the mark and it's up for the player to put the, the hand up to take the mark. Now, Daryl has hesitated for a moment and put the ball in the net. I don't personally see anything wrong with that. Are you kind of of a different opinion? Not particularly. The, the only thing, and I was trying to, I was trying to look at the video and pause where exactly he caught it, because if he if he caught it in the small part in the square, like that in theory, you're in, you're like you're on the penalty spot. I thought he caught it, so in theory there shouldn't be a whistle there. I would have thought, but I, I was trying to find clarity in the rules somewhere on it. I was because I knew this was going to come up, so I was doing a bit of googling. But there there doesn't seem to be any major clarity and. Look, I, I don't I don't blame referees, Bagnellstown or the Blues for this. To be honest with you, I blame the whole idea of the mark. Like it's an like it's a really it's it's a, a totally over the top rule for what we're actually benefiting from it. You know, and like it's very hard for a referee to see where it's caught firstly, and then automatically because we're so ingrained in this. You know, the second we hear a whistle, 
you stop. It's just mm. it's just because you've been doing it since you're about under tens, you know, and it's very hard to get away from that. But look, it was an unfortunate thing, and like in fairness to Darrell, you can't blame him. I mean, he, I mean, I'd say he looked kind of half confused as anyone for a second, and then he kind of thought, "Jesus, I may as well finish this so and see what happens," you know, and. I like the Blues will take it, I'd say, but it, I just think it's very hard. I, I genuinely wouldn't blame referees. I, would, I wouldn't blame Bagnellstown for stopping because I'd say they were kind of thinking, is he in the square? That shouldn't be, that, that whistle shouldn't be blowing. What's going on now? And, and it's, it's, a, it's a very tricky one. Like, but as I said, I wouldn't actually blame, I wouldn't blame the referee because I was looking at where he was and where the ball was caught. It's, it's very, very hard to see the lines in the pitch sometimes from that level of distance. So, Look, it, it, it was probably the, it was the crucial score in the game. I think Bangladeshtown had just kind of gotten topped or a point up at that stage. There was about seven or eight minutes left. You know, it was definitely a momentum changer. But look, I, I kind of I thought that game was going to be was going to be a cracker, and it actually turned out to be because you have two very similar kind of teams, and and they kind of went at each other hammer and tongs. And like I, I just kind of feel bad for Bangladeshtown because it was an unfortunate way to probably lose a game. You know, I'd say if you if you had back to the draw, you'd have been looking. You know, you'd have been thinking this could this could this could come up for me. You know. Yeah, it was very, very tight up to that. And, um, you know, by, by the sound, I know, talking to a couple of lads there, I do feel very aggrieved over it. But, like, while it was a tight game, do you still think the Blues possibly shaded it over the hour? Or, you know, you mentioned the draw there. Do you think the draw possibly might have been the fairest outcome having seen what they did over the 60? Yeah, I think so. I think they're two very evenly matched teams. You know, they really are. And, like, probably the Blues have a slight little bit more threat, maybe just a little bit more variety in, the, in their play because they have that long ball option and they can run it through the hands and there's some nippy forwards as well. Um, but probably probably a draw, I'd say, if, if, if I was going to call it, would have been a fairest result. But then again, you couldn't really argue that the Blues won it either. And if Bagelstown had won it, I wouldn't have been I wouldn't have been saying, no, they shouldn't have either. Like, you know, so, look, it's good. At least, at least Bagelstown have another crack at it. You know, you'd hate that for that to have been the final the final straw for them. So at least they have another game this weekend to try and get into a quarter-final spot, you know. So it's, um, the Blues will be, the Blues will be delighted, you know, and going into the local derby Friday with pretty much, you know, the, the pressure off more or less and they can have, they can really have a cut of their rogue and, and see where it leads them. Yeah, and that's the first game that kicks us off, as you said, you know, Friday, Friday at, uh, at half seven and, you know, these games, while their rogue have been the more fruitful in these encounters for, the last 10 or 15 years with, with the Blues going up and down from, from intermediate and stuff, it is always an interesting one because, you know, you get a bit of rough and tumble in it as well. And a road to the credit have, have kind of, you know, I think the 2005 final, if you go back and you were only about 16 at the time, I was only about 14 or whatever the jazz was. But I, I always think back to Tommy Wogan talking about that game. And he reckoned there was a real, I suppose, changing of the guard in that, I suppose the Blues used to bully teams a little bit to a certain extent without calling them a dirty team. They used to bully teams and they all kind of stood tall that day. And yeah. I don't know if the Blues have ever beaten them in any game at senior level and any time they were up there since that particular encounter. And, you know, this is obviously a very different Blues team as well. They've lots of nippy lads, but the lads are not afraid to get stuck in. And they're all the same. Like, they're all have, have tough men there as well. Um, but, like, it's... I don't, I don't know what they're all having, having looked at them last week against Rangers... I don't know that I expect a little bit more from them or, you know, or was I just a bit more disappointed with what Rangers were bringing because I thought they were going to bring a lot more or whatever. It was one of those funny games and I know Eddie and Victor kind of thought it was a bit of a classic. For me, I didn't really think it was a classic at all. I thought it was a, a bit of a, a disappointing encounter. A big breeze there, no doubt. But again, are either side already bothered about what happened last Sunday? Yeah, it's actually before before I go into that, I actually remember that game with the, with the Blues and the Rogue 2005 was over in the, on the terrace, 
and it was kind of my first introduction to, to Carla football. I'd only moved up until I was in three. So I remember seeing Mark Carpenter. Remember those uh, rugby tech gloves you used to wear without the, without the tops of the fingers on them? Yeah, yeah, they, that's right. They, yeah. They, they, were, they were all the rage back around then. And I remember Mark was uh, playing centre forward, Cormac McCarthy marking him, and he had him in a headlock for the first 15 minutes of the game. So <laughs> and, and that was definitely Tommy Wogan at his best out right, of changing the guard. But, <laughs> but um, no, look, this weekend is going to be this weekend is going to be a really interesting one. Like, I, I think probably bag, like Molester Rangers, I'd say, would be really disappointed with their inefficiency. You know, they 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 probably had chances, and it's just the last little pass. And again, this might come from probably having the hurling in advance. You know, just just not quite being slick enough. You know, for for the last little pass to really threaten a rogue. A rogue haven't probably got firing yet. I'd say, you know, they haven't really. They haven't really taken off. Like defensively, they've been they've been excellent. I mean, they've conceded. I think what is it, four points and five points and four points in two games. So, like, I suppose from that point of view, they'll they'll be happy insofar as th- their foundations are stable. You know, if they were scoring three thirteen, three fourteen, and conceding two tens, two elevens, that always gives a little bit of hope to teams. You know, but when when they're conceding the single figures like they have been, that always it's always a good sign for a team that are just waiting to take fire. You know, and and in fairness, the last day. Um, like Mark Fitz, Mark Fitzgerald, Mark Fitzgerald, one Jordan Lowry and um, and Richie came in there as well. They, Richie man, they they all looked fairly solid, fairly comfortable on it, and you know they never looked overly threatened. Like I, I look, Manchester Rangers made it as a physical a contest as they possibly could, and 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 they they really ruffled Aerog. But look, as you said, Aerog are kind of used to that. I think that that kind of idea that you can really get stuck into Aerog and they'll shy away. I think that's kind of gone. I think they've got rid of that. But look, from from the Blues' point of view going forward, I think they really need to like be managed this game really well. If they try, if they try and get into a score fest and leave Aerog spaces, you know, it's just going to it's it's not going to happen for them. I mean, Rangers probably gave them the blueprint of what to do what to do for two thirds of the field. So, like from I, I think Rangers like defensively be relatively happy. I'd say. Um, the two goals look mightn't be overjoyed, but if you're keeping their rogue to maybe 10, 11, 12, 13 points, you're giving yourself a chance, you know. So, look, I think Lee, Lee's, I know Lee Walker will be doing a lot of work and he, he, he's been kind of coaching the Blues fairly, fairly well for the last couple of years and he's clever enough. And I'd say that they'll try and manage the game as best they possibly can. So, by that I mean, especially in the first, in the first half, try and get as long periods of possession, long periods of possession with the ball. Um, not give away turnovers high up the field. Don't give Aero counter attacking opportunities. Um, turn the game. I mean, it mightn't be for the purest, but turn the game into a, as dour a game as you possibly can. Because I, I think if the Blues go into a shootout, I think it could be trouble for for for, for them. You know, I think that would suit Aero down to the ground. But um, there's definitely a chance. And and as you say, when you have the two town teams. There's always going to be a little. There's always going to be that ten percent chance that something mad could happen, you know. And the Blues definitely have that bit of madness. Like some days they could come out and they could, like as we as they did with the county final to us last year, and they absolutely kicked us off the field. And another day, then they could, they mightn't take fire at all, you know. So that I think that's going to be a really interesting game. And I I just think the Blues need to be really really clever with with with, with their use of the ball. And if if they starve a rogue possession, very hard to score when you don't have the ball. And that'd be my kind of. If if I was in, in in a blues management situation, that's what I'd be saying to them this weekend. Yeah, so um <laughs> Rangers and Bagnestown is a very interesting game for a number of reasons, most notably because you know Bagnestown are trying to avoid that relegation situation. And we're talking about Rangers uh, you know, as as possible contenders, or at least a lot of people around the county were uh, before last week anyway, and some people still are talking about them as as outright contenders. But um this is this is 
kind of really interesting because if I just don't get a result here, at least three teams on two points, if Aero beat the Blues, we'll say, uh, there's so much permutations going on. But what I would say is the most interesting thing about this, I know going back about three or four years ago, there was, uh, I think uh, it was Aaron's own at the time, we're playing a county semi-final against Rangers. And something happened in that replay or whatever. And I don't know, was there some sort of a throwaway remark at, at Bidenstown being, being classed as bottlers or something? And then a couple of weeks later, Rangers played a senior hurling final against uh, St. Mullins, which St. Mullins won. And on the same day, St. Andrews played the intermediate final and won that intermediate final. And then there was a bit of uh, shenanigans on Twitter about uh, who's the bottlers or whatever. And uh, look, it was a little bit childish, but it has brought a little bit of needle there. And there's a huge rivalry between Bidenstown and Rangers. I don't know if you'd, you'd know that being up from where you're from, but a massive rivalry. So this makes this one kind of interesting as well. It's on a half one on Sunday. And it's a game, obviously, both teams will fancy their chances in this one. Yeah, and, and as you say, like this is a chance for Bagnestown to bring this down. It's probably got a score difference, I assume, if, if all the results go the right way or I suppose the, the, the head-to-head will go with Bagnestown if they win, you know. So, like, it's, it's still pretty much all to play for. You, you probably, Kevin, you probably have two teams that are totally contrasting, I'd say, you know. Um, Bagnestown are extremely, extremely mobile around that middle third with the Clarks and, and Robbie Kane inside and Darren Crooks and these lads. I mean, they, they can really move the ball well through the hands and, you know, they, in fairness to them, they were quite well set up against their Rogan in this, in, in, on the first day and they actually put in a fairly decent show in the second half. But again, it was just the middle third or the final third let them down a small bit, getting the scores on the board. Um, I suppose Mount Rangers are trying to bring this into a physical contest as much as possible. And uh, it could come down, like again, look, a goal is a huge score in these games. Like as we saw with their Rogan at the weekend, you know, two, seven to four. I mean, two goals are, are massive. Um like uh, it'll be kind of have Bagnellstown someone to keep an eye on Eddie Byrne if there is the option of a long ball and I, I assume Rangers will go that direction because Bagnellstown would be that small bit lighter um, they might struggle on their own kickouts a little bit but from, from Bagnellstown's point of view I'd say they'll want to, to try and, and, and run Rangers as much as they can and, and, and bring it into a really high tempo game and get the kickouts moving fast short kickouts where they can um, and kind of bring it into kind of a topsy-turvy up and down sort of affair where I think Rangers will look to to be much more controlled, much a little bit more kind of um, a bit more structure in the game. As I say, set pieces like they look to dominate kickouts as much as possible. Um, and as I said, Eddie, look, it's it's kind of a cliche, big man to square, but like uh, especially at this level, like it's it's. <laughs> I don't know if there's many people could manage him on the edge of square. Rogue did it fairly well the last day, you know, and when he drifted out, then it was a different story. But I, I think if Rangers kind of look to isolate him a little bit, I'm not sure Bagnellstown will have the firepower to kind of to, to hold him off, you know. Right, so let's trickle into the Intermediate Championship. So a massive game for you guys in Calavan 20 Hall against uh, Tlomore on Sunday at, at half three. I think that's down in Tolo. Um, Tlomore got that win, obviously, you know, a last, uh, last gas win over the Cox last week. And, Jesus, uh, there's a mad amount of injury time in that one, actually. But, you know, Tlomore, again, a team that has potential to push on. I, I mentioned with Harlow last week, they don't have many other distractions in comparison to other clubs that might have different codes. And I always found that a little bit, disappointed perhaps that they that they haven't pushed on um you know have some really good minors in the, i remember that minor final two years ago i was thinking geez if there's some great chaps coming through and there's a lot of good work being done down there so um again Clumore have changed slightly i think they, they used to be a very physical team and they'd bring whatever it took to to win like they still will do that but i don't know are they more of a have, have they changed a little bit or where do you think you guys need to get at them in order to get the victory 
Yeah, look, I, I think they're probably in the same boat as Fenner. Like, I mean, Fenner ripped us to pieces the last day, just at incredible speed and really well organised. And and I, I think kind of Clamore will be in the same boat as that. Like, you know, they have they have some really, really good young lads. Um, they'll kind of look to they look to expose you one on one as much as possible. Um, and that's something we're going to have to be prepared for. Like, you know, I, I don't think we were for Fenner, really, to be honest with you. We kind of, not that we underestimated them, but... You, you, if 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 you if you know the weather the weather's if you know it's going to rain and you don't wear a jacket you're going to get wet like you know so that's where we were we kind of we let ourselves get exposed in one on one. Paul Kelly will love that one. Sorry, no. <laughs> yeah, Paul yeah, Kelly yeah. will love that one. He, he'll try and claim it. It's a yeah. But um, no, look, it, we'll have to we'll have to be ready for we'll have to be probably a little bit clever in how we defend. Um, look, at at this point in time, any forward whether it's fast, slow, or indifferent, if they're left one-on-one, they're going to do damage with the back. Just you have that couple of yards. And look, we'll have to be very careful of that, not to leave ourselves in scenarios like we did last weekend, last Saturday, um, because Clonmore will will expose that. And you could see it in the... You know, we, I watched the first game themselves in Fenna, and you could really see it that like there were one-four to no score up in the blink of nine in the first quarter. Like So look, if you're not careful, the game could be over by halftime like, if, if we aren't on top of things. So look, we'll be, kinda, we'll be looking to... I suppose try and be a lot more organised than we were than we were last week because especially at the back because look we know that Clonmore could actually rip you to pieces if if you're given the space so that's something that we'll be focused on but as you say there's probably a definitely a, there's a different change there's a different change to Clonmore you know there, there's as you said they used to be going up there for a league game it used to be absolute warfare you know but it's it's kind of it's slightly altered a little bit now they have a lot more pace and a lot more mobility in around the middle third so look that's something we're going to have to get come to terms with. Um, it's it's I tell you, it's not going to be easy. Like you know, for like they're going to be going all guns blazing for it, and we we probably need a reaction. You know, we're kind of like Ten Island or uh, you know what I was saying earlier on. If we can't get a performance out of ourselves this weekend, we'll never get it. You know, we got a right kick in the arse and probably needed it. Um, we needed it as well. So look, it'll be it'll be a tough one. Um, I just <laughs> hope we come out on the right end of it. But look, it's it's not going to be easy. There won't be there won't be more than a couple of points in it. Yeah, so the other side of that, uh, five o'clock on, on Saturday, uh, the Fighting Cocks take on Fenner. Um, like, there's nothing to say you're hoping this will happen. There's nothing to say Fenner wouldn't get a, a double bounce there by any means because they've, they've won that game against G last week with a few big guns not, not playing. And I would fancy them to beat the Cocks here. But again, permutations, you'd, you'd want some sort of a mathematical genius here to be working out all these jokes because uh, I, I might get Norfin to sponsor the podcast next week. It's just so hard to figure out all these jokes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's incredible. Um, yeah, look, you'd imagine so. It again, two contrasting teams. Like I, I just couldn't get over how how mobile Fenna were and and the speed of some of their forwards. Now, like as I said, I know we we kind of gave them every opportunity to get have spaces to run into, but like they they really are, and they played some they played some lovely football. They really did. Um, so look, from the Cox point of view, they'll need to turn this into a real slog. Like they'll need to fill up their forty five as much as they can and really try and physically dominate uh, Fenner as much as possible. Um, I suppose we thought we thought maybe we'd have a physical team for them as well, and we thought we'd be able to bully them a small bit, but in fairness to them, they have a real edge about them, like, you know, and, and I know there's a lot of younger fellas, but they, they really work together as a team, and, and you're not going to be walking over them too easy. So, look, it'll be a tough task for the Cox. Um, they'll, they'll need to find something. I'd say they'll be kind of, they'll be fairly disgusted with the with the Clanmore game, because it looked like they, had, they were in control of that up to, up to the very last minute, as you say, in injury time, but um, look, Fenna, you'd imagine will be the favourites, and in fairness to them, like as you say, missing a couple of lads still, like they're, go- I think they're going to get really, really strong as as the year goes on. And look, I wouldn't be amazed to see them in a county final if when it comes to it. 
Yeah, so the other group, uh, I don't know, do you have clarity on this, but on, on Friday, obviously, Kilbride are taking on Banalbana. Um, did Kilbride actually lose the points from, from that first game that they didn't play? Yeah, so they that's would gone. have had to give a walkover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's so, kind of shit, isn't it? It is. It's not great. It's not great. And I know, look, with time constraints and different things, but I suppose what's going to throw Spanner in the works is if, if Kilbride win on, on uh, against Banalbana, that you can't use points difference then for the score differential because you have a walkover. So it's going to have to come to a playoff. So if that occurs, you could be looking at a bit of a delay or they might have to play a midweek game. I'm not really sure what, what the permutation will be. but And, and that's not beyond the realms of possibility. Like, Kilbride can, Kilbride can put, put together a performance, no problem. Like, you know, that's that, that wouldn't be a massive shock. So you, you could see all sorts of fireworks this weekend in the intermediate. Is it too straightforward to suggest that perhaps by playing that game it might eliminate more headaches than it would cause by not playing it with the with those head to head things that do that do say are gone out the window if it, if it comes yeah to it? Po- possibly so but look you, you know yourself Kevin you just can't take a chance I mean um, I, I I don't know if I'd be comfortable if 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 that was the case I think Kilbride probably made the right decision in, in pulling oh, out sorry of it. I don't mean um, to that but I mean kind of give them the opportunity to play the game still. Oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah, well, yeah. it would, it definitely would alleviate. But I, I suppose you have to look at it from Aero's point of view. They're thinking to themselves, "We've two wins now. We're sitting pretty. One more win, and we're in a semi-final." You know, so yeah. Look, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I don't know, and I don't know that wouldn't be casting his persons in Aero's whether that's the case or not, or even if it was an option. But I, I, it's, it's look, it's not an ideal scenario. Nobody likes to see walkovers in championship games. It really does make a balls of it, you know. Um, but look, as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if, if that if that whole situation came to pass. Like it, it's uh, Kilbride of all was of all was are, are a tough team to beat. Like and themselves and, and Balnebrana is going to be an absolute. It'll be warfare, I'd say. And Kilbride will be really looking to bring an edge, I'd say, with with just kind of their last hope of last hope of getting into a quarter final. Yeah, well, uh, un- unconfirmed sources tell me that Kilbride. Uh, got a, a bit of a hefty fine for playing a practice match against Collection uh, there a number of weeks ago as well. So um, I don't know whether I agree or disagree with that. Like I'm sure the the Howdy War had their reasons had their reasons for it, but um, like it wasn't there was no lockdown at the time of, of playing that game in leash or whatever. So they've not had a good run of it lately, un, unfortunately, Kilbride. But uh, look, who's to say that um, you know they, they can't have a say? But like, geez, this game against Banalbrana is a, is a tough one, and <laughs> apparently that wasn't without controversy last week. I was reading Harry's article here, and he reckons there was a bit of time left in that game against Airog that that Airog won, and uh, Banalbrana looks so good against Navon. So this this game against Kilbride is actually a really interesting. One. I don't know is that being streamed, but that's that's going to be a good game. Yeah, I think so, and I won't mention anything about Kilbride and and that match uh, against Clashen because I uh, <laughs> I wasn't welcoming Kilbride for long enough, and I could do I could do without that again. But um, no, look, it's yeah, that's going to be a really interesting one. I, I saw, I think we're we're Aerog, four points up, and the whistle was blown, so they would have probably needed two scores anyway. Uh, Balnebrana would, and wonder if been enough time, I don't know, but. Look, that'll probably give it'll give Balnebrana a little bit of a, a siege mentality as well. You know, they might feel like they were harshly done by, but. It'll it'll be a tough one. Like, look, Kilbride have always have always got the players to pull out a performance, and I'd be from a Balnebrana point of view, I'd be a little bit a little bit nervous of it because you just don't know what you're going to get with Kilbride. Like, obviously against Michel last week, they were a bit slow to get going because they didn't have the match under their belt, and but they nearly pulled it off at the end. And look, like you know yourself, like the the Knowles and 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 Dara and that. Like, I mean, the Currys, like they have some really really high quality footballers, but. Look, Balnebrana are a well-set upside and I think that year in senior has kind of hardened them a little bit as well and 
it'll be tough. Like I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a kind of a low score and an off affair. Um, it could come down to free taking, and probably you'll have Robert Samson at maybe possibly one side and Dara at the other, kind of shooting out against each other. But I, 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 you know what? I give Kilbride the nod just as much as much as it pains me. But I think they just have a, I think they just have a big performance in them. I really do, and and it is do or die for them, you know. And uh, probably no better team to come out swinging in that kind of scenario. Yeah, so I wrote take on Michael at uh, five o'clock on Saturday in McGrath Park, and I would probably fancy fancy Michael for that one. But again, uh, who knows? Look, I know we're going to be caught on time here a little bit because you have to get back to, to doing a little bit, as the fella said. But um, yeah. I want to just run through the, the junior very quickly. I don't know if you have you have you a couple of moments there still, but uh, yeah, um, the form team in you know one of the groups is is obviously Grange. They take on a balling team who are really struggling in this championship. Lost to Raffili and lost to Tolo heavily. So. I'd probably fancy Grange uh, against Ballon on Sunday. Tolo um, are obviously on the other side there against uh, Raffili the weekend. And I think probably Tolo and Grange here. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd imagine so. I have. Um, I actually have a, a man of Grange fame working with me at the moment. Henry Hegarty is teaching here as well. So ah, no way. That's mad. He walked in with the chest out there Monday morning <laughs> and he was, in, he was in good form. But um, no, look, Grange looked to be Grange looked to be fairly solid. We actually played them a couple of, in a couple of practice matches this year, and and look, they're well organised. Um, you'd imagine like that. That was a big win for them against Tullow because that was kind of that was teed up as the big match really of that group, you know. And and Grange looked or Grange looked fairly comfortable, I think. Um, I would imagine, yeah. Look, I I'd say Grange and Tullow will be. You, you couldn't meet down the line at some stage again, but. I think Grange for the junior in, in general. I, they, I think they're a better team than junior, probably. Um, they, they might have needed a year to regroup and kind of get themselves back together. But but they have some they have some high quality footballers. And as I said, with 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 Henry and uh, John, big John, John Murphy and, and Carl Bailey and these lads, like they have they have players that are well able to compete at an intermediate level. And I think this year is probably good for them just to be able to get themselves regrouped and reorganised. And I'd fancy them to pop up. I think. Yeah, and the other side then, the nature of 2020, I can't believe I'm making this same with Lachlan Bridge, the form team. Um, I think it's eight years since Lachlan Bridge won two championship games in the same season. And I think it could be 12 or 13 years since they won two championship games back-to-back, which is absolutely crazy. But yeah. they're playing very, very well at the moment. They have Tin Ryland, who also have two wins to their credit. And this Tin Ryland team, I tell you, it's the best-kept secret because I'm after doing a bit of digging during the week and I could find nothing. There's nothing in the paper. There's nothing in social media. I had to ask a few old Lachlan lads, and should you know, being from Lachlan Bridge, they wouldn't tell you a whole lot anyway. But, uh, <laughs> like, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a decent enough second team, but uh, Lachlan Bridge are kind of, you know, while, while those three second teams would generally be pretty good with Tin Ryland, Pal, and all Lachlan, there's still a bit of beating in them. Um, but, uh, yeah, so this is basically a stress shootout for, for a semi-final spot. And uh, I don't know if you've been keeping an eye on this group much, but it would be nice to see Lachlan Bridge in it, I have to say, because uh, we've struggled a lot down through the years. Absolutely. And I, I remember, again, when I came up first, I think it was 2003, 2004, I think uh, Kildavan played Lachlan Bridge in a, in a senior match, in a championship match, as far as I can remember. Like, you know, so it'd be fantastic. It'd be fantastic to see them kind of climbing through the ranks if they, if they could at all you know and it, it's I suppose it's brilliant to see as we were talking about maybe Clamore earlier on and Lockton Bridge being the same but the, these these clubs that have huge tradition and you know yourself like it's football is football is everything in these areas as well you know it's, it's, there's a massive pride with it you know so look the, I suppose the thing with with, with Tin Ireland is you, that you don't know I mean I know Tin Ireland had a huge group with training and they're probably putting both teams together so you probably have a certain cohort of players who, who are training with a senior team more or less you know and that could be that could be a big thing, but at the end of the day, you, you you're going to have an edge from Lachlan Bridge because it is their main goal. You know, it's their big thing, and there's absolutely no no distractions. 
And look, I suppose seeing as seeing as your own podcast, I'll have to give Lachlan Bridge the nod, you know. <laughs> good man, good man. Last but not least, uh, we have ladies' uh, football action the weekend. We have O'Loughlin and Fenna both out in Leinster Championship action. Uh, O'Loughlin against uh, Shells of Wexford at uh, 2 o'clock in McGrath Park on Sunday. And then Fenna home advantage against uh, Clown Gale. So, obviously, we're hoping for, for, for two victories here. Um, I have to correct uh, the Nationals uh, because I've got clarification on this. Fenner are still the same fortunes. I thought there was a bit of a name change there, but uh, same fortunes <laughs> they are. And same fortunes they'll be on this because I get killed otherwise. But, yeah, look, uh, <laughs> we, we've seen good we've good, good history with uh, O'Loughlin over the last couple of years, albeit a bit of controversy with the grading that they were in. Um, but we want, we want to see our toes pushing on, no doubt. Absolutely, yeah, and, and it's brilliant. It's brilliant that, that there is some form of Leicester campaigns happening as well. You know, it's a really good incentive, and look, that, that's where you kind of that's where teams kind of get a, a bond built as well. You know, when they're when they're going off to different places playing matches, and you know, it'd be fantastic to see Carlo clubs have, having a bit of a run in 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 Leinster. You know, and there's been like there, all Auckland. I've, I've, I saw a couple of games over the last while, and there's some absolutely fantastic footballers, and I've seen a couple of them playing with Carlo as well. Um, a fantastic club, and as you said, there's great history with Fortunes as well. You know, it was. Like around the 2007s, there around the time of the minor, did a fantastic run as well. So, look, as you say, the more positivity we can get from a Carlo point of view, the better. Whether it's ladies hurling football, anything at all, you know, just to keep the whole thing, keep the whole thing ticking over, and it'll be brilliant to see two wins on two wins on the board this weekend. Would indeed, Dan. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, this episode, of course, brought to you in association with Neighbourhood Express. So we thank Brian for that. Uh, great to have you on, Dan. Look, we'll, we'll chat again soon. And best of luck the weekend. All right. Brilliant, Kev. Thanks a million. Appreciate it.